in the Pattern Podcast. Make left traffic, cleared for the option. Minneapolis departure, Archer 641, Charlie, Charlie, 2000, climbing 3000. Line up and wait, 7 range, for my Alpha. Mark Tower, 172, Romeo Hotel, hold the short on 133, ready to take off. I'm John. I'm Chris. I'm Brad. And I'm Mark. And we are the In the Pattern Podcast. Welcome to the In the Pattern Podcast, episode 68. This is Chris, and along with me tonight, I've got the whole gang. Plus, we have a uh, special guest on for you tonight. But first, uh, let's say hi to the rest of the group here. In the uh, virtual hangar, we've got uh, John. How are you doing, bud? Hi, how's it going? Very good, very good. And uh, Brad, you on with us? Can you hear me, Brad? Yes, I can. Sorry. There he is. There he is. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Mark, and you're with us too? Yep, I'm right here. Awesome. Thanks for making the time. I know uh, scheduling was a little bit difficult for you, but it's awesome. Well, we are uh, glad to be back and uh, so excited to talk all things OSH with you. And this evening we have a special guest. It is n- uh, the, uh, none, none only but uh, Dick Nepensky, the EAA Senior uh, Communications Advisor. Did I get that title right, Dick? Oh, that's close enough. I just usually use spokesman or the guy who ends up talking a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. <laughs> but happy Excellent. to be with you. Thanks so much. Fantastic. Um, I was just uh, kind of preparing for this. I know uh, Oshkosh is coming up here, and you've been uh, a very busy person um, like for the last several months, especially working up to this. So I've been doing a little uh, background, uh, getting ready uh, to talk to you about this. And I see, obviously, you're a private pilot. I am. That's correct. Yep. Awesome. And is it, is it, is it true you, uh, you got a Cherokee that you fly? Uh, that's where I got my training. Uh, learned in the Piper Cherokee 140 and uh, had some great experiences with that. Nice thing now is at EAA, the staff, we, we have a flying club uh, amongst the staff. So we've got some fun airplanes. Got your basic 172. There's an RV6 in there. Of course, we have the Zenith that the staff built back in 2014. That's part of oh, that. Yeah. So that's um, that was the 750, right? That, that's right. Yeah, that was a project awesome. that I never knew how many rivets go into an airplane. And <laughs> you know, I started off since I didn't have all the technical knowledge. I started off as one of the deburring crew. And if you've <laughs> ever spent time deburring aluminum, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Doesn't sound fun. No, you stand there a lot and, and just kind of with this little windy thing, making sure the holes are smooth when the rivets go through. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you have uh, been on staff with uh, EAA for quite some time. I I have. I I joined the staff in 1992 with the uh, marketing communications team, and then in 2010 became director of communications, and uh, just have spent 26 years now. This will be number 27 uh, Air Venture on staff, and probably, I think, number 32 overall, if I remember right. Wow. Wow. You have seen a lot of changes when it comes to uh, Air Venture, that's for sure. We really have. You know, you consider back in 78, the first time I went to it, uh, it was uh, actually where Boeing Plaza is now was a parking lot. It was a cornfield that they had just mown down and 
you park cars there. There was no Boeing oh, Plaza. Man. There was um, no really roads going back that way. And so it's interesting to see the evolution of the grounds over the past 40 years. Incredible. Um, now, personally, like, so this will be my seventh Oshkosh. Um, I've only, I've been going for as long as I've been a private pilot. And uh, what about the rest of you guys? Thanks for about me, right. This, this is uh, number nine coming up for no, yeah, number nine for me. So yeah, still still a relative noob. For me, it would be I'm working really hard for it to be number two. Yes. <laughs> speaking speaking of a uh, um, speaking of that, we uh, we hammer we hammer Mark uh, uh, quite a bit on uh, getting there just about every year, you know. So he probably gets tired of us. Well, we hope it. We hope he makes it number two this year. Be happy to see him out on the flight line, for sure. And John, I think you've been one or two more times than me. Also, uh, I've been. Um, I went two days in two thousand nine, and I was there. I guess the whole week up until um, last year, and I missed the year before when my son was born. But um, oh yeah, basically since two thousand nine, I've been gone. Yeah. And it's something that we uh, talk about pretty much all year long, and and uh, are so excited to be a part of once we get there. It's uh, it's Disneyland for me, that's for sure. And I don't like Disneyland, the real thing. Believe me. <laughs> so, um, you are uh, are so busy working up to this. I mean, you have a flurry of emails that come out for months on end before uh, Oshkosh. Uh, when does it really start for you? For, for the next season. It's like, when do you, when do you, when do you start working on Osh uh, 2019? Yeah, it, it really starts right at the end of the previous year because we have more than 5,000 volunteers that work the event. And so when you uh, take a look at that, you want to contact the volunteers to make sure that you get the feedback from them, what worked, what didn't work. So you get some of the information you need going forward. And then during a lot of August, we collect the feedback from visitors, from EAA members, from exhibitors, uh, from just about everybody, and then start to put that together to get a good idea of where we're going. And a lot of times by the end of the show, we're actually talking to people about bringing an airplane in 2019 or even 2020. You take a look at, uh, for instance, the Blue Angels last year. That was a two-year process to get them to Oshkosh. And then going back to 2009 when the Airbus A380 came in, that was actually a three-year process. I like to tell the story that twice wow. we had engineers from France standing on the runway in Oshkosh, not wondering if it's long enough or wide enough, but wondering if it's thick enough for the A380 yeah. to land on it. And it I'll was. Bet. And um, probably the most interesting thing that year was watching the 16-point star turn on Boeing Plaza as the A380 pulled in <laughs> and had to back into position. That was a mammoth airplane that year, but we were really happy to have it that particular year. That's a lot of logistics to try to handle. It is. It's an incredible amount of logistics that take place each year. Uh, you think everything that you see at Oshkosh, whether it's the air show, whether it's camping, whether it's exhibitors, uh, whether it's the home-built area, the Warbirds area, uh, things such as emerg emergency medical, the the retail, all of that is one little section that has a huge project plan that is attached to it and a lot of people working on it to make sure it goes right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The amount of moving parts in this is is unfathomable. 
Yeah, we, we have a saying that you can't knock over one domino because if you do, there's a whole bunch of them that's going to, that are going to follow. Oh, that, that's a true statement, I'm sure. Uh, speaking of that uh, A380, I remember, so it was uh, last year, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, was it last year B-52 was there? Yep, it was. Uh, last couple of years, we've had a B-52 there, which is yeah. an interesting process, too, because we have to take down the runway lights so it yep. fits. Because <laughs> if it's outrigger gear, it's outrigger gear, right? Exactly. And so um, that's why it landed a couple days before opening day. So the airport crew at Whitman Regional could take down those landing lights. And that's why it left on Monday after the event. So they could take those down again after the, the NOTAM was just about finished on Monday at noon after the event. So they could take those down and then put them back up once again. And when you say crew, you're talking about those 5,000 volunteers. 5,000 volunteers, the airport crew, um, you know, everybody at Whitman Regional does a phenomenal job to make sure that their airport, which is a relatively quiet general aviation airport throughout the rest of the year, suddenly becomes the hub of the entire aviation world when they come rolling in when it's time for Oshkosh. Yeah, it just amazes me how year in and year out you're able to to get all of that volunteer effort and, and get everybody contributing to, and pulling in the same direction to make that show such a success. Yeah, it, it is a phenomenon. There are entire areas that are run and operated by volunteers. And you take a look at things such as home-built parking or the seaplane base, um, and many of those areas simply completely coordinated by volunteers. They have a liaison on staff, but they completely run it. Um, my area that I have a liaison for is EAA Radio. We operate a radio station on the grounds and streaming on the web for the entire week of the event. And uh, there are 30 mm-hmm. people that work very hard and volunteer that make that possible. Yeah. Um, I, 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 know, I know what you mean completely. Um, I work for... I work for a church uh, full time. I'm I'm the IT director at a at a large church here back in uh, in Phoenix, and uh, we've got in the neighborhood of three thousand volunteers. Yeah, and it's amazing. It's, uh, when, yeah, that that's an incredible number. And when you get that amount, it's um, you many hands make light work. But it's also interesting. Um, there are a lot of personalities that come into play. So uh, Paul Poberesny oh always yeah. had it right <laughs> that he said, you know, when I started EAA, I thought that airplane was going to be the tough part. And he said, no, it's the people that you you have to deal because you have people with a lot of uh, hopes and ideas and sometimes personality conflicts. And you get to work through that as much with a a core of people to make it work. And it's phenomenal to watch everybody working together for an ultimate goal, which uh, ultimately is the success of AirVenture each year to make sure it's an effective event, mostly a, and above everything else, a safe event. What are, uh, what are a couple of those volunteer positions that there's always people begging to get? <laughs> I, I tell you, um, there's nothing quite like, and this sounds odd because you spend your time standing in the sun and eating dust, but <laughs> aircraft parking is always one of those oh. things people go, can I do that? Or the people working out on Boeing Plaza, the West Ramp Rats, as we call them, and they are uh, out there, and it's always a very popular position, but you are going to have sore feet, you are going to get sunburned, and you're <laughs> going to get tired. Uh, but uh, there are people who are eagerly want to be a part of it, and what, what that group does, uh, 
I, I talked about the A380 before and what that group does that I remember that year, the A380 left on Friday and they closed off the entire plaza for uh, foot traffic to pedestrians. And 90 minutes later, they had it back open and they had a C5 and a C17 on the ramp. So they had completely <laughs> turned the ramp around in 90 minutes. That's incredible. I mean, yeah, that's just that's, amazing. It's very efficient. I mean, that's not that's not a bunch of new people out there running around. You've got some people that uh, know exactly what they're doing and they orchestrate that area very well. Yeah, they do. And you, you take a look at that and uh, a lot of them are in, they've been there coming for 20 years. And it's interesting, you go back to when the fly-in started in Milwaukee back in the 1950s. We are now in our fourth generation of volunteers. And in some areas, uh, you've got oh. some of the kids who are their fifth generation of volunteers. You know, So it's been granddad, great-granddad, aunts, uncles, everything else who have volunteered in certain areas. And even not, uh, you, you start off with those who were in Paul's generation in the 50s, Tom's generation, and now... Um, You've got people in their in their fifties who are the third generation, uh, people in their thirties who are the fourth generation, and those just coming up now who are actually the fifth generation of volunteers coming up for the EAA fly-in, and that's a tremendous legacy when you think about that. Uh, we've got people that say, "Oh yeah, I first came up here with my granddad, who came up with his dad back in the fifties in Milwaukee." Wow, that's so cool. That's that's special. So I'm sure you've got volunteers from all 50 states, but you probably also have people that come in and volunteer from other countries. Uh, we do, you know, and uh, one of the interesting ones is we have an international visitors tent because we get visitors from 80 countries coming in and we have people who serve as interpreters. So a lot mm -hmm. of people come from overseas. Uh, I can think of a gentleman from Germany that comes every year and works in the international visitors tent and he speaks a number of languages. And so the visitors from Europe come in and whether they speak French or Spanish or German and he's got a smattering of Italian. He's a go-to guy because they come in, wow. they might not have uh, any kind of knowledge of Oshkosh and don't speak English very well, and we can match them up with interpreters to get them where they need to go. Sometimes it's housing. I often tell the story, and it happens every couple of years. We have somebody appear at the front gate uh, with a backpack, and he says, hello, I am here at Oshkosh. Where is it? I do stay. Oh and, and now you go, okay, let's find a place for this guy to stay. And uh, you start wow. contacting the university dorms and every place else, and you find a place for him to stay. And sometimes it's with a family in town. And um, you know, it, it's an amazing sequence of events that takes place each year. You know, And as we sit here now in July, thinking that it's almost here, it is incredible to think all of those months and I'd countless thousands of hours of preparation are almost ready to go on July 23rd. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that'd be something to try and take care of that on the spot though. I mean, because <laughs> housing's a premium, um, at that point. It really is, you know, but, uh, it, it's an amazing group, um, that work together to find answers to those questions because you want to make that experience as good as possible. And everybody comes to Oshkosh expecting something different. You might come to see the Warbirds or the home belts or go to hit the exhibitors or watch the air shows or see the ultralights or just hang out with friends. And all of that becomes part of your expectations. And how do you meet the expectations 
that might be different for hundreds of thousands of people. And that's one of the great challenges every year that the staff and volunteers have uh, when you put AirVenture together. Yeah, for sure. Um, we are, we are, we're the campers. Um, we are, we've, we always go to Camp Scholler and okay. you've, pro- you've probably heard of our campground, Camp Bacon. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's yeah. somewhat legendary among the campers out there. You know, they're about, um, hopefully in a good way. It, it is in a good <laughs> way. Yeah. You know, there are about 10 or 20 places that have a, a certain renown in Camp Scholler. I, th- I think you guys are one of those. Uh, there is, uh, of course, the South African encampment. Uh, they have, and they're right up, right up the street from us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was hoping you were going to mention them. Yeah, they, they're yeah. they're a li- they're a lively group, and um, they mm-hmm. <laughs> they come out and all their little matching tents, and they're there. But they have between 150 and 200 South Africans that come in each year, and make it a very special place. And uh, you know, you have others uh, who've been camping in Paul's Woods for. 30 years, 40 years out there and making that a part of it. And um, there's one group that I often stop in from Southern Wisconsin called the Hartford group. You know, and there's another group from Texas and chapters camp together. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it just makes it special that you can walk through the campground at night. It's one of my favorite things to do after the airport closes about eight o'clock, just to walk through the campground and talk to people and find out where they're from, uh, where they're going. Sometimes uh, I'm, I have one of the Volkswagens that I drive around during the event. And it's uh, sometimes I'm out helping people find where they are because they'll <laughs> go, I'm trying to find, you know, you can, you pick them up and you can see it's been a long day. They might be tired. Say you need a lift. Sure. Um, where's your camper? It's that way. Okay, yeah. let's let's go that way for a while, and um, so <laughs> oh so you end up driving down a road. I said, "Do you know what it looks like?" Well, it's a white camper. Okay, oh, okay, good. good. There we go. Now, just uh, now yeah. we're down to ninety percent. Now what? Yep, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I've I've spent uh, I, I've learned many of the roads in Camp Scholler just by um, helping find where people are exactly. But it's it's a great thing. You hear great stories about. Uh, people, how they got to Oshkosh, what their airplanes are, what they're hoping to get, uh, what they're looking forward to during the week. And it really is part of my favorite time of the entire week, just talking to people and learning their story and learning their aviation story, their EAA story. You won't find a nicer group of people than those guys out there that's camping and just everyone in general at, at, at uh, at the show. I mean... I've, I've never met an, a, a person that's upset or angry at something the whole time I've ever been yeah. there. <laughs> well, everybody puts on their patience a little bit. You know, there are times when, um, you know, people do get frustrated and things like that. Uh, you know, some sometimes after the event, we get those emails and, you know, we get the occasional one is saying uh, the weather was too hot. Okay, oh. well, there's <laughs> not a lot we can okay. do about that. We'll get right on it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and of course, uh, back in 2010, the famed Sloshkosh, when we Sloshkosh, had yes. yeah, yeah, t- uh, 10 inches of rain in the 24 days before opening day. And uh, that was an interesting year because we created all kinds of new campgrounds all over Oshkosh. Uh, you know, I remember there was... And yeah, it, in mostly in parking lots. You know, there was the old Walmart store camp parking lot campground. There was the uh, Kia car dealership <laughs> campground. There was the oh uh, wow closed Kmart parking lot campground. And uh, so um, you know we we put together just about everything and found hard hard surfaces for the first four days before we could start to bring people into Camp Scholler. And your listeners who were around in 2010 remember that one. 
That that was wow. the first full week I went. And it was uh <laughs> And you still yeah. decided to keep doing it after it, that. Amazing. You know, I did. It was uh it was just it was it was amazing to see how um you know, the reaction to that from everybody and just how it it didn't, you know, it didn't stop the show at all that that nobody could camp really. Yeah. Um, you know, the planes couldn't get in everything. Everybody still, they found a way to get to the show and, and, you know, the, for, for you guys all running it, um, just, just what you guys were able to accomplish, um, and, and finding those parking lots and everything. It, w- it really was amazing, um, um, to see that and to see how all the volunteers came together that year. It, it really was. Um, you know, I remember Tom Poberesny, who was president at that time said that was probably one of our finest moments, uh, as a group of staff and volunteers, to make that work because I remember coming over the overpass that Monday morning of opening day. And usually when you come over that overpass uh, and you see 927, you see the North 40, it's completely full by Monday. It's Mm -hmm. just airplanes all over. And you came across the overpass and you saw maybe 25 airplanes in the North 40 uh, scattered in dry spots wherever they could find them. And um, to pull that together, uh, the local airports, in the area were tremendous. Uh, they, uh, Fond du Lac took in a whole bunch. They closed one of their runways so they, they could park airplanes there. Appleton took some. Um, Manitowoc on the Lake Michigan shore took some. And um, I remember Manitowoc even hired buses to bring people over for the first couple of days that year. So wow. it, it was a tremendous um, coming together. And, you know, we never experienced anything like that. You have contingency plan A, contingency plan B, and so forth. Mm. We were morphing plans together. So it was like AZ1B, you know, because <laughs> you, were, you were really down to that, um, trying to find uh, spots and trying to find ways to make things work. We were one of the planes that ended up in Fond du Lac. And, you know, as amazing as it was, all of the coordination and, and all of the things that, that happened behind the scenes to make the show successful, what was even more impressive were all of the changes that happened in time for 2011. You know, all of the drainage improvements and all of the, here's what we learned and here's what we're going to put it to work so that if this happens again, uh, it, it doesn't have near the impact. Yeah, and that's really true. And I've got to credit one guy for that, who I call the hardest working man in show business, and that is Steve Taylor, uh, our grounds and facilities manager. Um, he is, uh, he started, he grew up right next to the grounds. Uh, his mom still lives right next to the grounds. And he grew up there, started working there when he was 12 or 14 years old and as a volunteer and just kind of worked his way up. And then about 10 years ago, became facilities chief. And he knows where every piece of drain tile is. He knows where everything (laughs) is. And uh, you're right. uh, The ditches that were put in, the drainage areas that were put in for the following year, because he took it personally. He said, I don't want that to happen again on my watch. So let's figure out how we're going to make the campground drier, where we're going to move the water, things like that. So um, sometimes you get unprecedented things and it forces changes that come quicker than they normally would. That's impressive. You don't want to lose that guy. No, no. We, we tell him, don't get hit by a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of those running around there. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any, from all of your experience there, I mean, uh, do you have any tips or tricks of seeing AirVenture? Well, the first thing I always say, you know, is just pure survival stuff. Uh, make sure your shoes are comfortable. Uh, make sure you have a hat and bring that sunscreen. Um, you know, and bring that water bottle along because you're going to be walking a lot. Um, you know, people don't know 
you start looking at airplanes and going from one row to another row, and suddenly you've walked 10 miles in a day. And, mm-hmm. um, and so you, you get worn out very easily. Uh, the outlet mall and the Nike store and Under Armour store across the highway from us do a great business in sneakers <laughs> that week um, because people are blowing out wow. sneakers and things like that. Um, so I, I would say the first thing to do, look at the website and see what's there. Our maps are there. The, the, as much information as we can pack into a website is on there. And take a look at the schedule. Take a look at what's happening, the, the, the days you're going to be there. And figure out what you want to look at. Uh, for some people, you know, they have two days and they try to see everything, which is nearly impossible. So mm-hmm. you spend about five minutes looking at a lot of things. Um, other people, and it's you know, I talked about expectations before, and we have people that try to see everything. And then you have people who come in and they spend their entire week in the home-built forums area, or in the Warbirds area, or down at Ultralight, or out at the seaplane base. You know, they might make yeah. it to the grounds twice. They'll be out the seaplane base for the rest of the week. Um, but that's what they do. They, they find that way. But for uh, a rookie coming in, I would say, take a look at the map when you get there. What do you really want to see? Uh, you know, is it the Warbirds? Is it the, the home-builds? Are the exhibitors, maybe, uh, is it Boeing Plaza to see the big things and kind of map those out and say, this is where I want to make sure I go. And as I go from these spots to this spot, what else might be there that might be interesting? And you'll find hidden gems all over the grounds. You know, there are, are fun things going on. Um, everything from NASA has a pavilion there to the drone cage. If you want to try some of those out to the home built, hangar where you'll see magnificent home builds. Uh, and then you'll be walking down through vintage and you'll see a row of beach stagger wings. And most airports, if you have a beach stagger wing land at your airport, that's a pretty big day. And then you look yeah. down the row and there are 12 of them and they're right. just all magnificent. Uh, you know, I'll, I always take pictures of those and send them back to some of my friends here, and then they say they say inappropriate things back to me. Yeah, over text. Yeah, well, you know, at that point, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's too bad to be them because they're there and you're here. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I do it just to torment them just a little bit, just a little bit. And don't forget the uh, the museum, which is amazing. Yeah, the museum is open. Um, yeah, and you you buy admission, and the museum. If if you buy a weekly pass, you can come and go to the museum as often as you want throughout the week. It's awesome. Uh, are there any uh, like lesser known spots or attractions that that people might not know about? You know, um, one, and I always recommend this is if you know if you're looking for more flying after the air show. Uh, head down toward the ultralight strip at the south end. It is uh, a really a lot of fun. Um, the powered parachutes, the ultralights, uh, the the guys from Valdez with the short takeoff and landing airplanes, they'll be out there. Um, and they start about 7 o'clock, and they'll fly until dusk. And it's yeah. magnificent. And last year, we started to build on that. We made it the uh, you know just a flight zone down there of fun things going on. 
Uh, we put the paragliders down there, and they had fun. Uh, this year, we're going to have some 3D helicopters and drones that will be flying down there as part of that show. Um, you know, those are some of the things that are just fun, and it's a little more laid back. And uh, again, after the air show in the evening, it's something that uh, it's a little more relaxed. Uh, it's great for photography because you get into that, what the photographers call the golden hour, where the light yeah. is just perfect. And you can get some of those shots. And, the, you know, that's something I recommend. Uh, a lot of people don't know about the seaplane base, that you can catch a shuttle <laughs> and take the five-mile trip over to the seaplane base. And if you've um, picked yourself a little bit of your base sunburn over the first two days on the ramp, you know, it might be time to hop in the shuttle and head toward the shaded area and the lagoon over at the seaplane base. Uh, you know, uh, we get about 100 seaplanes that come in and park there in the lagoon, and it's it's shady. It's uh, a place you can talk to seaplane enthusiasts. Uh, two years ago, of course, we had the Martin Mars there and parked it out in Lake Winnebago, and then... Um, almost sunk it and uh you know yeah. so i guess um <laughs> that was incredible uh, yeah but that was you know big old airplane i remember 2016 when at least that, that was at the end of the week that's right yeah <laughs> and er earlier in the week funny story the snowbirds came in i think it was tuesday or wednesday and they parked and i was with them up on the north end of the airport at the time and they're doing all their paperwork and having a brief meeting and so forth and the martin mars comes over and does a water drop and all <laughs> 12 of the snowbirds on the team stopped and yeah. looked and they yeah. all went that is cool or i guess uh -huh. they said that is cool eh and uh, <laughs> yeah. just kept and but it was fun and the snowbirds uh, had a tremendous time they said they had a great time they said it won't be 33 years until they come back again and so it's um and i don't know if you know two of them camped down in the vintage oh. area. They pulled their jet down. They said, we always want, we're EA members. We always wanted to camp at Oshkosh. And so they pulled their jet down to the vintage area because they say, it's a vintage jet. And they, sure. and they took out it the qualifies. tents. Yeah. And they camped for one night on the vintage flight line. There are pictures Fantastic. all over the place, people who had it, you know, and it's just one of those moments that uh, was a heck of a lot of fun, you know, and, and those are the things that bring people back because, uh, as you guys know, you go to Oshkosh and you come back with photos and these memories that say, wow, there was that moment and that moment and that moment that you just don't see yeah. anyplace else. Yeah, we always, uh, I think we always tend to say, you know, we went the first year for the airplanes and then we came back for the, the people and the experience. After That's that. exactly right. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, Dick, the first time I went there was in, in 2015, and I actually had the privilege of, of shooting a couple rivets in that, in that Zenith 750. Um, but we started wow. to get, yeah. we started to, to, to name, uh, I have, it, it, it came out of something like only at Oshkosh, where you're walking down the ramp and you're looking at planes, and you'll have a flight of Mustangs or a flight of Corsairs or a flight of something go over and you look up and you're like, oh yeah, just just another set of another flight of of Mustangs, yeah. <laughs> and you go about your business and you're like, wait a minute, that did that just really happen? Happen, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, and and we started calling it only at Osh, only yeah. at Osh will that ever happen. It is, and you know, people say that, and they go, you know, you'll only see this at Oshkosh, and uh, again, you know, almost everything that it brings up another story from the quarter century I've been on staff. Um, there was a gentleman who brought his son, and then we had a number of British World War II airplanes, and there was a Spitfire and a Hurricane that flew by, and he turned to his son, and said, "You'll never see that again, any place." And then five mm. minutes later, 
four Spitfires in a hurricane went by. <laughs> and so, I'll revise my statement. Yeah. Well, we got an email from him. He said, "Thank we'll you for making it. me a yeah. Thank you for making me a liar in front of my family." And uh, so, <laughs> but but those are the moments that you see. And um, you know, I, I even say as recently as when we started the night air show, uh, I had never seen a night air show, and I I bumped into somebody walking along the flight line because I had my mouth hanging open, staring up at the sky because I'd never seen anything like this before. And, you know, I, I tell people, I've seen so many of the afternoon air shows, I can do the narration for some of them, it seems. But, you know, sure. to see that was completely different and go, wow, what a moment. And we weren't sure if it was going to work when we started it back in 2010. And 25,000 people stayed and watched the night air show. and we went, okay, we've got something here. We're, we're going to yeah, keep going that- with it. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, first time I saw it, I was like going, I've, I've flown at night. I love flying at night. We've all flown at night. Now, now throw pyrotechnics on your wingtips and every other kind of distraction and, and try and pull off these maneuvers. That is incredible. It is, you know, and it's it's fun. The different things that are out there, everything from Gene Susi and the, and the show cat. And, you know, you, you see Matt Yonkin out there with his... His beach 18 yeah. all lit up, and uh, then you'll see Bob Carlton flying a glider, and all you'll hear is the music in the background and the air going over the wings, and it's just this elegant performance that he puts on. Uh, you know, those type of things are things that you don't forget, and you just go, "Wow, we're sitting here on a you know, gorgeous summer evening, watching that," and you go, "Why does this have to end?" It, you don't want it to end, but it's uh, uh, it's one of those moments that um, bring people back to Oshkosh. Most definitely, most definitely. Since um, since you deal with the media, is, is there anything that we that we can do better to make it easier on you and your staff prior to Osh or even <laughs> while we're there? Um, you know, it, there are things that happen every year, and you kind of expect it, and you kind of expect the unexpected. Uh, we get about 900 media people that, that come in each year from every continent except Antarctica. And uh, <laughs> so it's it's an amazing uh, group that come in. Um, I always tell people, you know, I half of my problems would be over if I had a thousand golf carts and a six story parking ramp. It'd be very simple (laughs) at that point, but it would be, uh, but you know, the media for the most part are, are marvelous. Um, you know, there are always funny stories that take place of of people. I had one South American journalist who came in that knew two words of English, Chuck Yeager one year. And uh, he came into press headquarters and um, General Yeager was on the grounds, and so we finally hooked him up with one of the interpreters and sent them down toward the Warbirds area. And I didn't see him again for about two days. And uh, two days later, he comes bounding into press headquarters. He gives me, gives me this big hug, um, and my Spanish is worse than his English. And so it, <laughs> um, he, it, you know, he's, he was bubbling along and said Chuck Yeager. So then he left, and we all looked at each other. Well, apparently he found him because you know, uh, <laughs> um, that's awesome. And, you know, things like that that take place. Um, and, and then you get, um, I always get a kick out of some of the journalists who come in. And um, the and the first day, they're, they're all dressed up. They're wearing a business suit. Uh, they're, 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 you know, the women are wearing high heels and dresses and things like that. And, and I tell the journalists, I say, you can dress up. You can wear a business suit, come out here. But we reserve the right to laugh at you. It's that simple. <laughs> And, uh, you know, but uh, the next day they're there in khakis and a polo shirt. So it's, um, but, you know, for the most part, you know, the media 
is there to get the the interesting stories of it all uh and whether that's the innovation or the technology or if it's uh, one of the airplanes or some of the veterans um you know, just trying to keep up with the the number of stories. Uh, I always put together a list. I call it my back pocket list when they say, well, what's going on that maybe not everybody else is covering? And so I've got 10 or 20 stories like that and said, well, there's this guy down here with this airplane that he spent 15 years restoring. Beautiful airplane. has got a great story behind it. Uh, here's his cell phone number. Give him a call. See if you can get together with him. Um, awesome. Stories like that because there are a those are the stories, you know, we all know about the the high-profile people that come in there, but the one-of-a-kind stories, the the people stories, the individual stories of accomplishment. Um, you know, I go back last year when Doc came in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all those years restoring that B-29 and finally flying it. And this group, Doc's friends, had said one of their first goals was to bring the airplane to Oshkosh. You know, last year when we happened to get Doc and Fifi together at Oshkosh, first time two B-29s probably in 60 years anyplace. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to and I was told by our staff that were there when Doc arrived, some of Doc's crew were in tears because they finally made it to Oshkosh. And, you know, that's a, a human moment that you you can't forget. Um, Another great moment happened almost 20 years ago now. Uh, We had a young man named Chad Spellman who uh, grew up in Oshkosh, came to the fly-in as a boy, and got inspired and went on to fly Navy F-15s. And so he he came in and he got got permission to bring the F-15 to the fly-in. So he came in in a flight of four. And so they did two passes together. Then the other three guys broke off and he got to do the last one by himself, then land on 1836, come into, at the time, Aeroshell Square. And we had put his mom in an orange vest and given her the paddles (laughs) to bring him in. And so, you know, he saw that. And, you know, and uh, that day I just told the media, I said, I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you we've got a kid from Oshkosh coming in in an F-15. Um, you might want to be out there about 1030. That's all I'm going to tell you. And, um, and they were out there and, you know, it, it's one of those moments you go, you can't do that. Um, you know, you can still have a huge show and still have these moments within the show that everybody goes, wow, that's a special one right there. Yeah. Yeah. That is so cool. I, um, I uh, remember not long ago, well, it was, oh, I guess it was a little while ago, um, I saw you do a TED Talk even on Oshkosh. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. That was I, cool. I did. Yeah, I did. Thanks a lot. I, I appreciate that. That's um, 2016 had the opportunity. Oh. Um, the the TED Talk has been, I don't know if you call it franchised, but they've created local um, abilities for that under the guidance of TED. It's called TEDx. And Oshkosh mm-hmm. had the first one, and I was one of the group of inaugural people to be invited. And it gave an opportunity. First of all, it's kind of interesting. You, you have 18 minutes. You have to basically have your presentation memorized. The clock is running while you're up on stage. And you're trying to remember everything that you're supposed to say. But it was a, a great way to talk about the spirit of us, is what I called it, is um, – what you can do together when you put together 5,000 volunteers and give them, empower them, and, and make them part of a team. And what can be accomplished by that and uh, bringing in, 
everything from a 747 to an ultralight, uh, bringing in a, um, a Piper Cub right after that 747 or just before it on the same runway. You know, things mm-hmm. like that that you just don't do at any other airport. Uh, it's, um, it's an amazing piece of teamwork. And it was a chance to talk about that at length, at the, the spirit of people and what can happen when everybody works together. You know, and everybody talks about the things that divide us. But at Oshkosh, you know, the th- airplanes bring us together and you're out there on the line and you really don't know what anybody else does for a living, nor do you know what their political persuasions are, nor do <laughs> you know, you know, where they go to church or if they go to church. They're out here for aviation. and. It's a great unifying factor. Uh, it's it doesn't matter if you fly an ultralight or a warbird or a vintage aircraft or build your own airplane. We all like flying. We all like to fly, and there's something about that thing that brings us together. And here at Oshkosh, we don't have to explain it like we do for much of the year to our neighbors why we why we do that thing called aviation. Everybody here speaks the language, and that makes it great. And you you know you're going to find a kindred spirit someplace on the grounds. Yeah, that uh, that one common bond uh, brings us all together for sure. It's uh, it is nice, and it and it's it's amazing uh, how many non-pilots you run into that's been coming there for years. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, and yeah, that's what makes it fun. Is we start to get close to opening day here in 2018, thinking we're gonna have a chance to make some more memories here and do this again, and start putting together some of the highlights and some of the things that we'll see this year, and and hopefully people will go home and go, hey, I saw this at Oshkosh. Wasn't that something? Yeah, I think uh, aviation's on the uh, uptick again, obviously, and I think our last couple of years back-to-back has been one better than the other. Was last year the biggest numbers that we've seen so far? Uh, As far as we can, you know, the the counting system has become better through the years. Um, I still remember about 30 years ago when Paul Poberezny was asked by a reporter how many people there were, and he said, oh, there must be a million people here this week. And those of <laughs> us on the communication staff then spent the next 10 years trying to say, well, what, what Paul said, actually, what he meant was this, um, that yeah. there were a lot of people. Um, but you know, we had total attendance of 590,000 last year, which was really under the current counting method, which is more accurate than anything we had 20 years ago, uh, is the highest number we've had. You know, you you go for about that 500,000, you know that's going to be right around the total attendance. And then when you get over that, and face it, you know, we had great highlights, great people, great airplanes, great weather, except for one day. And, yeah. you know, you, I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with that. And, and people stayed. Uh, the programs, too, some of the highlights were throughout the week. It wasn't like, here's two days where everything's happening. There were great things happening throughout the week, and, and people stayed longer. Um, you know, a lot of people used the university dorms in Oshkosh, and they said they stayed, the people staying in the dorms stayed an average of a day longer than they had in previous years. So you start adding that up by tens of thousands, and you've got yourself a big attendance. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, last year and the year before were the first two times that uh, I got to make it for the full week. Typically, I'd come in like on midweek and leave at the end of the end of the week. And that's what I have to do this year is like Wednesday and leave on Sunday. John's doing the same thing. And uh, Brad is coming in before us and leaving before we get there. And Mark's <laughs> still working on it. So we're going to be all over the place. But uh, man, there and it, what stinks is that there's 
so many things that I loved finding out that I didn't know about that happens at the beginning of the week that I, I am upset that I get have to miss this year, you know, because yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming in until Wednesday, you know. Well, so. it, it happens a lot that, um, you know, I'll be there throughout the week and suddenly I'll go by on Thursday and I'll see an airplane there. I go, I didn't know that was here. And, you know, that, you know, and, and those. And you're in the stay. know. Yeah, and I'm supposed to be in the know on these things. And, you know, I asked somebody, when did that come in? Oh, he decided two days ago. Yeah, he just brought it in. Oh, okay. Are there any other of those in the world? No. Oh, okay. You know, last year we had, yeah, we had three Howards last year. You just don't find oh, Howards yeah. every place. And there they were. We had three of them. How about that Boeing Y12 or something oh, yeah. that was out there? <laughs> was, I don't uh, think I got, did I get that right? I don't know if that was right yeah, the or not. Y, that the was yeah, most oddball-looking aircraft yep. ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was so yeah. cool, though. Oh yeah, and you know they they got that and restored that. You know, and when you first look at it and said, "Boy, somebody had the plans upside down when they built this one," but it just <laughs> uh, you know it. But it's an amazing aircraft. We had it in the museum for a while afterwards, um, and yeah, it, it's just an odd-looking aircraft. But it shows you some of the the innovation, the ingenuity, the imagination out there with designers that uh, the things that fly, you know, and you go with something like that, or uh, you take a look at the Rutan designs through the years, the canards, which, um, you know, there's a fabulous group that come in. And oftentimes the the non-aviation reporters that come out will see this and go, did those things yeah. scrape in like that? No, no, there's a wheel that comes up and that, uh, oh. it's, it's fine. Yeah, really. yeah that and, collapsible um, nose gear. Yeah, it's, um, so, but um, they talk about that and say, I've never seen an airplane like that before. And one of the big things we do at AirVenture and people say, you know, it's an aviator show. Well, it is, but it's more than that. And, and you talked about it a little bit earlier that you bring in people who maybe are not aviators. It's our chance as a community to introduce them to flight because we all agree we need more people involved in it we need more young people involved in aviation we we have to keep building what aviation is and and look toward that next generation toward the next horizon and to find something like that to bring them in and explain it to them and be open to people and walk them through aviation and what it is, because otherwise, if we don't tell the story correctly, nobody's going to tell it for us. And so here's our opportunity. Just just go through the fly mart or any of the uh, hangars where the vendors are. You'll see it's not just for aviation. Right, exactly. And, um, and you know, again, I've got a story about that, too, that uh, there was uh, we had some hurricane hunters that came in in a C-130 a few years back, and they were just about to depart, and they couldn't find one of their crew members. They, yeah, they're, they're going, boy, you know, we're supposed to go. And, um, you know, like, where is he? And suddenly across the ramp, you see him running with a stepladder. <laughs> That he had purchased at Oshkosh, you know, he'd been in one of the booths, and he we're going to need one of these. We need one okay. of these, and here it is. I can throw it on the airplane and take it back. I got a really good deal. Bam! Step ladder goes in. He climbs in. Hurricane hunters take off, and so you know, you know, I always tell people, yes, there are some exhibits you think, well, you know, that's not really aviation related, but you have to remember, aviators come to this event, and those exhibitors come back because they're selling things. That, okay, who's that's buying? That's what them? blew my mind, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, uh, let's let's just say, like, okay, there's there's jewelry all over the place. Okay, a lot of lot of lot of uh, husbands bring their that are pilots bring their wives that are not pilots. A lot of women are pilots. You know, there's you know, I'm, 
that's that's a market. There's like backyard swings and 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 uh, what do you call it? Like a, a patio furniture and type yeah. stuff. I mean, <laughs> you name it. You you go in there and you won't be exactly convinced you're at just an aviation show. That's for sure. Right. And and one thing we want to mention to that end is we have made a real. Um, effort in the past couple of years to make sure that aviation companies that want to be at Oshkosh, that we find spots for them and we give them priority. And a lot of people don't know that we set it up every year that the returning aviation companies have first shot at returning. And then non, well, that's awesome. uh, yeah. Yeah, non-returning aviation companies um, are or first-time aviation companies are next. And then the returning non-aviation companies. And then finally, uh, the bottom priority goes to those non-aviation companies that have not been there before. And we've mm-hmm. taken one's entire categories and crossed them off the list. For instance, you won't see the massage chairs anymore. You won't see the uh, oh. the skin cream things. You won't see the vacation <laughs> condos because that didn't work. You know, we invited them in and it didn't work. And so we said, nope, um, we have to make sure that we have in the marketplace what people want and make sure it fits our culture. And that that's so important to do that and something we work on every year. And nicely done. Yeah. I really noticed that last year, especially, I, I don't know like if that was one of your later policies that, that came around or whatever, but I noticed it personally. Yeah. Well, thank you for noticing, first of all, and it is something over the last five years, we've really put a point of emphasis on to try to make sure that First of all, the aviation companies that want to come in have the opportunity to do so. And uh, we have visited some of the, the European shows, and actually you'll see some international companies, a greater number over the past three, four years, that are making their first appearance in Oshkosh. And they find a marketplace here and introduce themselves to the American audience here. And they realize that the U.S. has the largest aviation audience, and they want to be here. Uh, sometimes yeah. they they're unsure of how to do it. So we try to help them as much as we can to come in and make sure they have a successful year and want to come back. Yeah. Like, um, ADSB, for example, obviously is coming on stronger and stronger every year, you know, two or three years ago when, when it was kind of a, a newer thing, there was, you know, a couple people there with their devices. And, and then last year there was quite a bit and I bet this year it's really going to be hitting hard. Oh, it is because, you know, we're coming up to that uh, 2020 mandated date for people to install if you're going to be flying in controlled airspace. And so now that thing that seemed like it's five years away, now it's 18 months away to have it uh, done. And so those people who haven't equipped yet and are going to be flying in those airspaces, they better start talking to the avionics shops pretty soon because... um, this might be their last best chance. If you get around to AirVenture next year and even buy a unit, getting in line to getting it installed by the start of January 2020s, <laughs> that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I bet, for sure. And I wonder how that's going to affect the, uh, the, the market for a re- a used airplane, for, for resale airplanes. Like, are we going to see question. an influx of, of these airplanes because these people are like, ah, I haven't been flying all that much anyways, and... Now there's this. That's a great question. You know, I I don't know the answer to that one. And uh, sometimes um, outside forces such as ADSB will will cause a shift in what the marketplace may be. So that's a great question. And we'll see what happens with that. 
I hope it happens because I want to buy an airplane uh, <laughs> pretty soon, and I hope that means that it's going to make pricing and and uh, and uh, inventory go up, inventory go up, pricing go down. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So, well, it's uh, we we've been going here for about an hour or so. It's it um, and uh, I don't want to take up uh, a lot more of your time. I know it's getting a little bit late where you're at. Um, is is there anything that uh, that you would like to uh, cover that we didn't quite uh, talk about yet? Well, the big things, you know, for this year's show, we've got some great highlights coming in. Uh, everything from the 100th anniversary of the Royal Air Force. And uh, for the first time, we're going to have the world's oldest jet aircraft here, the Gloucester Meteor. We've never had one at Oshkosh oh. before. And it will be here along with some of the great early British jets like the Vampire and the Venom, uh, some of the World War II aircraft, uh, some of the World War One aircraft reproductions will be here uh, from the Brits. And so we're looking forward to that. It's the the 100th anniversary of World War One aviation. So we have a number of aircraft that are coming that are replicas and reproductions. One I'm really excited about, and um, they're working real hard to get here, and they say we are trying to make it to Oshkosh. If you've ever heard of the XP-82, which is the twin Mustang, Oh, the yeah. P-51 Mustang extended the fuselage, bonded the two fuselages together with wing and a tail. So you have two cockpits, two engines, two pilots, uh, designed as a long-distance fighter escort for the B-29s at the end of World War II. And uh, they made fewer than, I believe, 300 of them. And there are only five left in the world. None of them flew until mm. this year. And so this group in Georgia is trying to get the XP-82 up to Oshkosh for its first appearance. And uh, so, you know, that is going to be something special when that lands. You know, we've seen, uh, it's like when the P-38 Glacier Girl landed for the first time. Oh, Some yeah. of those aircraft come in that uh, it'll be a special moment. Um, so we're really looking forward, wishing them the best to have, uh, you know, a very uh, uneventful, safe completion to their project and journey up here because it'll be a special moment when when they bring that in so um you know we've got uh, the t6 80th anniversary coming in and so you're going to see a lot of t6s on the line this year uh, a lot of vintage aircraft uh we're going to be celebrating the 10,000th rv vans aircraft flying up uh, you know, worldwide now, more than 10,000 of them. So we're going to be celebrating that as well. It's the year of the tanker this year. We had the year of the bomber last year, year of the fighter before that. So we're going to have a lot of big iron out there. C5, C17, KC130, KC10, all of them wow. coming out there. And I tell people, this year in Boeing Plaza, if you're looking for shade, you're going to have a yeah. lot of shade because there will be some big wings out there on the plaza. And uh, so um, – so you'll see that. And Boeing, by the way, a sponsor of the plaza, you are going to see, uh, they're putting up this exhibit right now. It is huge on the southwest corner of Boeing Plaza. Some of the history of that, uh, the people from Aviol and Jeppesen and some of the other companies are going to be all in this one Boeing exhibit. And so um, people are going to be pretty impressed with the way that sits because it's probably one of the bigger exhibits that we've ever seen on these grounds. And uh, they're going to be here this year too. So, you know, all of these things coming together and there are a few things things that we're just putting the final touches on to here in the last couple of weeks before the show that uh, I think are going to impress people when they see them in the air show or on the ground. Oh, wow. It, every year it's like, uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it this year. And then you do something like that X82 and I'm like, oh, I got to find a way because, <laughs> because where else will I ever get the chance to see that fly in the air? Where else? Yeah. What? 
will I get the chance to see a Martin Mars water bomber do a water drop over to, you know, over top of the runway. And then I also had to go out to the seaplane base and watch it pick up uh, the water and all that stuff. And it just, it's every year there's something spectacular. That's like a one-off, right? The two beef 29s last year. Yeah. It, um, you know, it's interesting because even after now, you know, almost 30 years on staff, there are things that happen each year and you go, you know, I never thought I'd see that, but mm-hmm. I did. Or I never thought I'd meet yeah. this person, but I did. Well, and, you've been uh, there long enough that you got to see SR-71s come in. And yeah. <laughs> some, you know. Uh, it is. You know, you've seen a lot of stuff. You know, the Concorde, when it came the five times. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the Concorde first came in the 80s, it was something. It only landed in New York and Miami and Washington, I believe, or maybe Dallas. But, you know, the, the fourth or fifth place it landed in the U.S. was Oshkosh. And you think, <laughs> wow. And then it came back four more times after that. And it was just a real crowd pleaser. But those are the kind of things that come together. And I always say, you know, you can stand in the middle of Boeing Plaza and, and keep turning, do your eight-point eight roll all the way around and, and take a look. And you'll see something different every single place. And uh, there, there's something special about that. Uh, we need a place like Oshkosh that we get together as a community and celebrate and say, yeah, we fly. Isn't this a cool thing? Because look at all the ways you can take this. Oh, yeah. What, when do you think we'll do another uh, another airplane build as a community? Well, we're going to do that um, this year. We have a new one-week wonder. It's an RV-12. So we invite everybody who's listening to your podcast, come on over, pull a rivet, get involved, sign the builder's logbook. Uh, we're going to open up the box 8 o'clock on Monday the 23rd, and we hope by air show time about 4 o'clock on Sunday the 29th, we're going to have an airplane taxiing out to the flight line. That's amazing. I. Any person who's ever built one of those uh, Zeniths uh, like we did a few years ago or, or like this RV-12 and to think, shoot, if I just got 12, 1,300 of my friends <laughs> at the hangar just to work 24-7, no, not even really, but it's just incredible the amount of hands that go into making that happen. And then, bam, a week later, you got a whole airplane where most people take it nearly a year or longer. It, you know, It's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, the great thing about that airplane back from 2014, building that Zenith, was that wherever we would take it for the next year before we painted it, but the people, signatures. Would st- people would yeah. stop and find their rivet and where they signed <laughs> right next to it. And that was the big search. Every airport we stopped at. Yeah, that was so cool. That was so cool. That, that, place, was, that place was buzzing the whole time, man. There was it always was. A, a decent line of people around there wanting to help out and do their part and get their get their uh, rivet in, sign it, sign the logbook. That was excellent. I uh, I love the uh, also one of the other places I love on on uh, on site is the uh, proficiency center. Yeah, and that's expanding this year. We're adding even more to it for exactly that reason. Pilots are coming in. They they have found a place, and what a great place like Oshkosh to get. Um, we, to get professional help for aviators, because Lord knows we need it sometimes. But, you know, to, to, to have these scenarios, to make yourself a better pilot, a safer pilot, and in a big way, that's what we're about at AirVenture, too. We get to share that knowledge and information and best practices with each other, come in there, and the support that area has received over the three or four years it's been in existence. It's made it one of the go-to places for pilots on the grounds, 
and you, know, you get to fly all the cool scenarios. You know, you want to try a backcountry mountain strip and you've never done it, but you want to see what it looks like. Here's your chance to do it. And uh, I've, you know, I've I've failed that one twice. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the one in Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The that mountain <laughs> kind of bit me a couple of times too. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Brad uh, Brad goes in there and uh, and does his uh, instrument uh, holds and and stuff like that, don't you? Yeah, I usually try to pick up a few a, a few instrument approaches and holds and and uh, get my butt kicked a little bit as they start <laughs> failing everything. It's good. It's good to keep me humble. Well, it, it's a great place to do it and not have to worry about repairing the airplane afterwards. And it's air conditioned. It's air conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, that always com- that comes in handy. But uh, it does get busy, so get there in the morning, get your name in or whatever, because uh, it uh, people start lining up and and the wait can get pretty long. So it's it's good to hear that you guys are expanding that. It, it is, and, you know, it's just been popular, and um, you know, again, uh, our attendees tell us what works, and that definitely has been an area that worked, and so we're going to um, expand that one and make sure that people who want to be a part of it have that opportunity. When did you start doing that? Was it four years ago? I want to say four years ago. It actually started um, as a very small center. Um, They got together with people from NAFI and SAFE, the flight instructor community, began that. And it was so popular that we gave it its own tent. I believe this will be the third year there in the Four Corners area, right in the center of the grounds. And uh, it just keeps expanding every year. And it's... um, it's gratifying to see that, and it's it's fun to have, and this was an idea that came to us from outside EAA, from the flight instructor community, saying, you know, can we do this? Here's a great opportunity to, to meet with pilots and aviators to help them improve their skills on the grounds, and we went, yeah, let's try that, and <laughs> it proved to be a great idea, and it's just one of many ideas we've had through the years that came from outside that uh, went, yeah, that works, so what, what a great idea that is. It uh, it certainly does work. I uh, I love going over there. Um, it's uh, it's uh, going back to what you said a, little, a while ago about uh, you know nearly impossible to see everything in a day or two. It was a couple of years until I made it down to the ultralight base. Oh yeah, that happens. <laughs> I mean, it's um... <laughs> you know just get busy doing other things and it gets time to leave. And you're like, shoot, I forgot to get down there. So, <laughs> but yeah. I love going out, and it's and it's not that far from where we camp. Obviously, there's you know that we're on the corner of uh, uh, what is it, Lindbergh and Forest Home. Forest oh yeah, home. yeah. Yep. So you're, right. you're that's a, that's just a quick walk, indeed. Yeah. yeah. There there's like a mound, like a hill, and uh, I run up there all the time on top of it and just watch it from that distance <laughs> yeah. and shoot photos because <laughs> they're doing their circuits right there, and so they're flying right by me the whole time. So it's a oh, great yeah, photo that's a spot. Great spot. Mm-hmm. Hadn't thought of that, but you're exactly right. That is, that would be a great photo spot. Um, last year, my uh, one of my one of my friends is the guy that uh, that does the um, um, paragliding team. Oh, okay. And yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, I remember last year we saw it hit. It was during like the night. Air, well, was it right before the night air show or something like that? Yeah, it was just like d- dusk. I think a little before, a little after. I mean, and uh, the. Um, what was it? The B1B had got up and did a pass or two. And then all of a sudden, one of his guys pops up into into the air. And we're like, what is he doing? And here comes this B1B back from uh, the other side of the airport, like with the afterburners on. I'm like, this oh, dude, yeah. 
<laughs> is level with him and he's coming at him at like 500 knots. What is going on here? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I've yet to I've yet to ask him whatever happened with that. I didn't know if it was planned or what, but we all were just mouths open agape, wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Words were exchanged on the frequency. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, that, well, that's one of those you know, formation flights that you see only at Oshkosh. <laughs> right, yeah. a paraglider and a B one. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. He he didn't have his afterburners on, unfortunately. No. <laughs> well, maybe he did. I don't know. You know, maybe yeah. it was. Yeah, <laughs> didn't have the lights on around the uh, around the shell of his uh yeah. his, uh, his, his prop, prop where it goes there but uh anyways um guys any other questions that uh i i haven't thought of yet uh only thing i have is um just you know for our listeners there who, who are thinking about coming and maybe want to um i guess number one um where they get information on it and two if they want to volunteer where they can get information about maybe uh helping out being one of the being the 5,001st volunteer. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd love to have them come and volunteer, whether it's a couple of hours or the entire week. Uh, for your first question, go to the website, uh, eaa.org. Very simple, eaa.org. And right at the top, you'll see the Air Venture tab. Just click on that, and you can start saying, are you going to be flying in? If you're flying in, by the way, I'm going to tell everybody right now, make sure you read the NOTAM. Memorize that NOTAM. Have it with you. Um, make sure you've got that understood as you come flying in. We want everybody to be safe and sane when they come in. Uh, and you know, if you're camping in, if you're driving in, if you're looking for admissions, uh, if you're looking for schedules, uh, download our app, too. We've got a great app just started up. It's uh, either on Droid or it's on the, the Apple system. You can download that, have it right on your phone, and find out the schedule. We keep tweaking that every year as well. So that's another great way to get information. Uh, if you'd like to volunteer, we have a couple of volunteer centers right on the grounds. You can come in either to the Four Corners area and ask about volunteering or right by the Red Barn store, uh, in Camp Scholar. Stop there. There's a volunteer center there, and we're always looking for people uh, to fill in certain spots. And, um, you know, you can do that thing that you do all year and you're really good at, or you can do something that you've never done before, and you don't know if you're good at it or not, but you'd like to try it. And uh, here's an opportunity. And so it's, uh, you know, we'd love to have folks come in volunteers because you'll meet a group of people that um, will become family to you. You know, we've had folks who've been coming for years and years, and uh, one of the spouses pass away, and the other spouse keeps coming to Oshkosh because they say, it's my family. Of course I'm going to come here in the summer because these are the Aww. people that I care about. Um, so, uh, you know, again, we, we'd love to have them come volunteer, but uh, take a look at the website, get the information you need, and uh, we hope to see everybody up on the flight line. Well, we're looking forward to it, Dick. Okay, my pleasure, guys. It's been a great evening. Really enjoyed being with you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you. Hey, what 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 numbers your uh, your uh, bug? Um, boy, uh, four thirty. It's a blue one. <laughs> four thirty. All right. Yep. Thanks, Dick. All right. Okay, we'll Look see you soon. Seeing you. All righty. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Bye now. Well, all right. And with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this episode of the In the Pattern podcast. Um, just really want to. Uh, Send a huge thanks to EAA and uh, Dick for coming on and just giving us um, 
kind of a taste of Osh this year. It's getting us super excited and pumped up, and we really can't wait to be there to hang out with everybody, see all the airplanes, and just have an overall uh, good week or a part of the week um, for those of us not making it for the whole thing, which I think is actually all of us. Um, so, uh, again, any listeners are going to show up, um, you know, we'll be hanging around, uh, Brad there at the beginning of the week, me and Chris, uh, toward the end of the week and hopefully Mark will be able to make it. Um, we'll see, but, uh, if you want to meet up, want to hang out, um, a couple ways you can reach us, go ahead and send us a tweet at in the pattern on Twitter. Um, if you want to hit us on Facebook, facebook.com slash in the pattern podcast, or go ahead and send us an email at podcast at in the pattern podcast.com. Uh, look forward to, uh, hanging out, meeting any, any listeners and just overall having a really fun week. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this uh, very special episode of the In the Pattern Podcast, episode 68. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and remember, make left traffic, you're cleared for the option. 